0: Ever since I was a small boy, I've been obsessed with movies, books, and music. But as I grow older, I've begun to realize that these things increasingly miss the mark of fulfilling who we are meant to be. But they seem to have a common theme. They point us to a greater story, a greater adventure, a greater love, a greater joy. On this show, we dive into some of our favorite themes in songs, books, and movies, and movies so that we can begin the discussion of what our fascination with these stories actually reveals A desire for something more. A desire for the unknown. A desire for love. A desire for God. Welcome to the adventure. Let's get started.
1: Welcome back to The Adventure. This is The Christ in Culture with Steve and Clint. So, Clint, what have you been listening to, reading, watching?
0: Really? I haven't been to a whole lot of new stuff recently just because I'm trying to finish the books that i have already started. Yeah. So I'm still reading TM Duran's Toward the Gleam, which is getting really, really good. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then still The Flash and, and True Devotion, like last week. But I've also been listening to a lot of Dungeons and Dragons podcasts, which I've actually been doing for months now, but never thought to mention it. So cool. Cool cool cool. Yeah, I um, I've been watching
1: started watching a new show, The Alienist. Never heard. I think of it's that. on T N T. Okay. So it's an interesting show. So it takes place in and we might do a podcast on this in the future. Who knows? It takes place in New York City back when Teddy Roosevelt was the uh, commissioner of okay. the NYPD. Old school. Yeah. And so it kind of follows one character, particularly who is uh, an alienist for the courts. And an alienist was like an old term for a psychiatrist. Because the thought was that these people who, you know, basically had some sort of, were like mentally disturbed, were just alienated from their true human natures. mm uh, and so that's sort of the premise of the show. And so they, the also premise of the show is they're using newfangled technology, like fingerprints, and they're trying to hunt down wow. uh, one of the first serial, like, recorded serial killers. Cool. Because, like, basically this alienist is like, I think whoever killed this person years ago is the same one who killed this person, like, this new thing. And Teddy Edwards is like, you're thinking it's the same killer? <laughs> so, like, it's this thing of, like this they ser- get's like in serial killer and like they don't have a concept of that cuz that has never happened before jack the ripper yeah well yeah but they don't they don't like <laughs> they don't put it together they don't put it together uh cuz it's still kind of a new concept for them okay in new york so it's really interesting cool. uh movie and then i was watching a show uh binged it on netflix called ultimate beastmaster and it's kind of like an what? ultimate ninja warrior yeah really? but it's like it's like netflix's or like a netflix original version of ultimate uh ninja warrior why Beastmaster? Are they, are they saying they're a beast? or? So actually, the uh, obstacle course is in the shape of a giant beast. Like you run in its mouth, like up its tongue, and then like like do the stuff through it. Really? Like There's like a thing called like the vertebrae, and so they look like vertebrae, and you have to like jump from them. And so like it's it's actually like a competition between countries too, so they pick like a bunch of different countries and for a season. So like I forget what it was in the first season. The second season was like Italy, France, China, the United States. Spain, and okay. so anyway, they they send two at a time each episode, and then there's one ult- there's one beast master at the end of the episode, and then the end of the season they do their finale, and it's the nine Beastmasters masters from the previous nine episodes, and they compete to become the ultimate Beastmaster.
0: master. Interesting. Yeah,
1: it's kind of an interesting show.
0: This sounds kind of like uh, remember the '90s shows where they're like for kids, where mm-hmm. they, they would go through the obstacle courses and stuff. And yeah, some of the obstacles are
1: pretty intense. Yeah. Um, and i like i mean these people they're so athletic because i some of the stuff they can do um so actually france did a really good job ultimately uh i don't want to ruin it but uh who like which person from which country won but france was doing really really well uh, because they invented parkour
0: that sounds like like something french would do. yeah
1: france like parkour came from france so a lot of these french people were like kicking butt and there was like Some really good Americans, and the Chinese were, like, dominating. I mean, they were so good. Dang. There's one Italian. My favorite, so they have commentators for each country, too. Okay. That sort of do it in their native language. Mm -hmm. And my favorite were the Italians because they were just really funny. Like, they were just so into
0: it. I went to an authentic Italian restaurant yesterday, and there was, like, an Italian family that was in there. It was good. Just bringing back some memories of when I was over in Italy.
1: You know, there's a ton of Italians down in Galveston.
0: Like a lot Really? Of like, uh, yeah, they're like PhD okay.
1: candidates wow. down there. Um, I found that out because, shout out, I don't think he listens, but shout out to uh, Roman, who's a French friend of mine. He just moved back to France. He was dating an Italian named Claudia. And so I went to his like going away party, and it was like mostly Italians hmm. that were just kind of here for their PhD stuff.
0: Well, actually, we've had uh, an influx in French listeners the past couple of weeks, mm-hmm. so maybe he does listen. Roman, if you listen. Yeah. You just got a shout-out. <laughs> if not, uh, never mind. Yeah, but no, he's he's a great guy. Cool. So, moving into our topic for today, we are actually going back to Lord of the Rings, and I kind of prefaced this topic in my last episode, which was two weeks ago, three weeks ago, something like that. Um, I think it was three weeks ago. No, yeah, it doesn't matter. It was a couple weeks ago. So, what I want to talk about is actually we're going to be talking about in the Return of the King. So... This is the third book or the third movie in the trilogy, if you've only seen the movies. But even if you haven't seen it or read it, hopefully you can follow along with kind of this. I'll, I'll try to explain it. So, if
1: you haven't watched the movies or read the books by this point, like you should, they're really good. Like, we've got what three or four podcasts on this topic at this point. I think this is the third. Yeah, come on, guys. Like, step up. <laughs> it's
0: it's 2018 yeah like you need to have seen this stuff they're very good so i do recommend them but like i said so we want to start with the the return of the king so the third one so in the opening scene of the movie we see kind of this origin story for one of the most mysterious and confusing and misunderstood characters in the lord of the rings and the hobbit the very same character that used to give my little brother nightmares every time that he watched it Sorry, Clay, but I am talking, of course, about Gollum. I say that not just to embarrass my little brother, and in fact, that isn't my intention at all. Maybe a little bit. Well, I don't know. I don't have any siblings. I but like I, my I, brothers.
1: I, yeah, well, sibling rivalry is a thing. I
0: wouldn't know <laughs> as an only child. But yeah, so the reason why I say it is he is actually a scary character, and he's supposed to be. He's this ghoulish figure. He's really wild, uh, lives in the nature, and is really just disgusting and unnatural. I I
1: think that he kind of also in a little bit way like represents like man without like society or like civilization or others. You know, like he's so wild and separated from god and separated from like human nature and just like society and com- we always talk about like how important community is and like you see this completely lone
0: character in Gollum. Yeah, and I think that actually ties in pretty well with uh, kind of the well What we'll be talking about today. So, of course, his at best questionable personality is meant to terrify us, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that is very important for us to recognize because of what we're going to be talking about today. In the opening scene that I mentioned, we see that Gollum was not always like that, though. He was once actually a hobbit who is a very uh, common species or race in the Lord of the Rings. And his name was Smeagol. He was just like Frodo or Bilbo or Sam or Merry and Pippin and, and all the others. Actually, he was technically one of the original types of hobbits called the Stoors or Riverfolk, who are actually very similar to humans, even more similar to humans than most other hobbits. They are the, the biggest of all the hobbits, and they were the only ones who could swim. So unlike all other hobbits, they were actually not afraid of the water. And what I find interesting, though, is that this sub-race of hobbits would later settle along the river that borders the Shire, which is where all the hobbits live when the stories are taking place, mm. the same area where Frodo Baggins was born and raised, right? So we start to see this this connection because, yeah. likely speaking, Frodo's ancestors are probably of the same race for the most part yeah. of, of okay. hobbits. That makes sense. So, on top of that, in the opening scene, we see that Smeagol is going fishing with his best friend and his cousin, Deagle. And when Deagle is pulled into the water by a giant fish, so they're fishing, he gets this big one on the line, and it pulls him into the water. And then, while submerged, Deagle finds a ring, which just happens to be the very Ring of Power, which was created by Sauron. If you don't know what that is, it's it's kind of the, the main focus of the whole story of the Lord of the Rings. So, so Deagle showed the ring to Smeagol and immediately Smeagol is overtaken by the ring. It begins to corrupt him and he demands that Deagle give him the ring as a birthday gift because it was actually Smeagol's birthday that day. When Deagle refuses, Smeagol kills him right there by the river. He takes the ring and is actually banished by his family and has to leave. So he wanders in nature and slowly gets corrupted.
1: Honestly, it kind of reminds me a little bit like a Cain and Abel story in a certain sense. And and I think that uh, Smeagol, like one of the the things that always strikes me about like Smeagol and Gollum's character, and one of the scariest things about him, I think, is that he could really be any one of us, Mm -hmm. you know, in our sin. And that he's so overtaken by sin. And I think that that's kind of what a life without temperance looks like. Yeah. yeah. Just immediately get overtaken by this sinfulness i think that's
0: definitely the point that we're supposed to understand when we look at him too and then we go back to frodo and we see a connection because frodo's entire family was killed in an apparent boating accident and rather than being banished by his family frodo is invited to go live with his quote-unquote uncle bilbo who is actually a a distant relative Hmm. so we have two hobbits both of similar heritage both who lost their closest family to death near a river and both having to find a new home because of that death. Mm. So we start to see this parallel between the characters. One of my favorite representations in the Lord of the Rings is the Ring of Power representing Sin. So when Smeagol takes the ring after committing the sin of murder, we have almost an Adam figure taking on Sin through taking the ring created by Sauron, who is actually like a demon or Satan figure. So, we have this ring representing sin, and it, it extends Smeagol's life. So, that he actually lives to be almost 600 years, which is why, mm. even when his ancestors or his family moves to the Shire, there's that 500 year time frame where eventually Frodo would come from those uh, family members. Yeah. But it comes with a really great cost. As he holds on to the ring and as he holds on to his sin, He begins to be corrupted by it. He begins to change and deform to the point where he is actually no longer even a hobbit. In fact, he is no longer really even Smeagol anymore. He becomes this entirely different creature named Gollum. And that's kind of where we see him later on.
1: Yeah, and I really... One of the things that I recognize in sort of the Smeagol-Gollum relationship... Smeagol's always kind of there, like you see them sort of combating... Going back and forth, yeah, which shows our own struggle with our sinfulness. But people who are really like when we're really really caught in like some sort of mortal sin, like it almost makes us this sort of schismatic character, you know, mm-hmm. in ourselves. Like where we're we're we struggle with ourselves. Like we almost have two. Like we have the nature and like who we are supposed to be, like who we're meant to be. But then we have like this this sin, and so like we end up being that sort of two people in ourselves. And that sin sort of divides us even in ourselves.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's actually kind of where I'm trying to go with this. And a while back, we had an episode called The Problem of Good Versus Evil. And in that episode, we talked about how to be good means to be as we are created to be. And sin means to miss the mark of who we were created to be. So the more that we give in to sin, we literally become less of ourselves. And so you're talking about this kind of dual identity with with sin creating a false identity and then our true identity and the more that we give in to sin we actually allow that false identity to kind of cover over our true identity yeah. and we which, become less of who we were created to be
1: which you know talking about like the alienist uh that being alienated from our true natures you know it's kind of what sin does yeah it actually alienates us from our true nature
0: exactly yeah and so actually like i said a few episodes ago this is a problem of losing our identity. This is interesting to me because nothing else can lose its nature, really. You know, you think about Mm it, if we're talking about a plant, a plant is going to have the same nature for the extent of its existence, same for an animal, but a human does not. We even have a word for it in English when we say that someone is inhumane or someone is doing something that is inhumane. It literally means something is acting contrary to human nature. So we as a, a society recognize this is human nature, and when we do something against that, we are something less than human. We are inhuman in a way. Yeah, we're not <clears throat> quite living up to, to our own calling, to who we are as a people. Right, exactly. And for those of you who listen to any of my Lord of the Rings episodes, you know that I like to include <laughs> Peter Kreeft. He has this amazing book that I, I really enjoy called The Philosophy of Tolkien, and he has a really good point on this. And he says, whatever is, and that means whatever exists, whatever is, is in being, must also be ontologically good. And it follows from this, that whatever loses its goodness ceases to be. Thus, wicked men cease to be what they were. To give oneself to evil is to lose one's human nature. Just as virtue can raise a person from above human nature... So vice lowers those whom it has seduced from the condition of men beneath human nature. For this reason, anyone whom you find transformed by vice cannot be counted a man or a hobbit. Gollum is an ex hobbit, a failed hobbit, as the ring wraiths are ex men or unmen, to use CS Lewis's chilling term from Prelandra. And so that's kind of just reiterating. Our thought here, when we give in to vice, when we give in to sin, we're becoming less human and we're becoming falsely ourselves. So going back to Gollum, after several hundred years, he loses the ring and it is found slash stolen by Bilbo. And we see that in the story, The Hobbit. So if you've seen that, that's kind of where that comes in. So when Bilbo leaves all of his belongings to Frodo, the ring is included. And this happens several decades later after Bilbo is much older. Now, for anyone who has listened to our episode, Rings, Kings, and Halflings, which is about Christ figures in Lord of the Rings, you should already know that Frodo is one of those Christ figures. He shows us the sacrificial priest role of Christ because he carries the ring, the sin of the rest of the world. And as Christians, we believe that Christ is the new Adam, right? Right. So it should be no surprise when we see Frodo reminding Gollum of who he is, Smeagol, this, this hobbit. So we have these characters of Adam, which is Smeagol or, or, or Gollum. And then we have our Christ figure, the new Adam, which is Frodo. Right.
1: And that's honestly how sort of Christ acts in our lives. Is he's always reminding us of who we truly are. Yeah. You know, that we're not our sin, but that we are sons and daughters of God. And, and in a way, he's showing us that we're not the fallen nature of original sin through Adam, but that we were made for more. Right? That that when he uh, resurrects, when he dies and resurrects on the cross, that that the new Adam, right? That this is the humanity you were made for. Mm-hmm. You know, and so we're called to sort of give up that 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 fallen nature. You know, and so he's he's sort of died, not sort of, but he died just to, to give us new life. So mm-hmm. we're We're called to die to that old way and start of choose the new.
0: Right. And that actually kind of comes up in a conversation in the movies uh, where Frodo is talking to Gollum. And so I'll I'll kind of read through the lines there. And so Frodo is is talking to Gollum and he says, you were not so different from a hobbit once, were you, Smeagol? And then Gollum kind of looks up slowly and says, what did you call me? And Frodo responds, that was your name once, wasn't it? A long time ago. In Gollum, my my name? Smeagol. And he, he begins to recognize who he once was, kind of like Steve was just talking about there. And that's very much like how Christ reminds us of ourselves, like he was saying. And I think that's especially important in the season of Lent, right? This is that time, like Steve was saying, where we turn away from that sin and we die to that so that we can be reminded of our true identity. So we see this interesting contrast of what started as a very similar characters that took very different paths. We have our Adam who chose sin and was banished from his home because of it. And we have our Jesus figure who chose to carry that sin for others who willingly leaves his home and sacrifices himself rather than taking life from others to bring life to the world. But even though Frodo continues to have mercy on Gollum and tries to help him regain his identity, kind of like how a few episodes ago we talked about finding our identity in Christ, represented by Frodo, not in things or our sins, represented by the ring. Gollum continues to give in to his sin and desire for the ring and turn against Frodo. We even see this confession and, and loss of self when he argues with himself both as Smeagol and as Gollum, ultimately letting Gollum take over and completely giving in to his false identity that sin created for him. Yeah. He then turns against Frodo, similar to how sin makes us turn away from and, and often against Christ when, when we give in to our false identities and when we kind of push back against Christ.
1: Yeah, and, and in a certain sense, you know, when he sort of gives in and he gives into that sin and becoming sort of Gollum and giving in to that, his reaction is to, to kill Frodo, in a certain mm-hmm. sense. Like when we're choosing sin, like those are, those are sort of the nails that are being driven into Christ, yeah, right, on the cross. And so there's always that parallel as well. Absolutely. You know? Which is why, when we're at Good Friday and we, it's always powerful for me when we announce "Crucify Him, Crucify Him," because it's always a reminder to me that every time I sin, I'm essentially shouting "Crucify Him."
0: Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's, exactly, that's exactly it. You, you've kind of hit throughout this episode about how Gollum reminds us of ourselves in a lot of ways. And that's actually my next point. Kreeft actually talks about this, too, uh, in his book. He says, Gollum is believable because we know him. He is every drug addict. In fact, he is every addict, which means every man. For we are all addicted to something that we cannot part with that is less than God. Yeah, so it actually reminds me, um, in one of my theology classes,
1: we talked about sort of the cycle of sin. And this idea that, you know, sin is addictive, regardless of what the sin is. Like, sin is addictive. It's almost like a drug in that way. It doesn't always have to be, but whatever it is, it has that sense that we go to it because we find it attractive. But since it's, you know, it's the nature of sin, it's fleeting, Mm -hmm. so we have to go back at it. We have to go back at it. And then we go back at it for longer or more intense duration. You know, you think about like an addiction to pornography. Now that sometimes leads to um, more and more perverse things. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just keep going back and back and back to it. Um, and it's sort of this downward spiral, you know, of like being addicted and keep going back to it. Seeking this, this sort of like high that sin can sometimes give you, uh, but ultimately feeling worse off than you were initially.
0: Right. Uh, and so you were talking earlier about yeah this reminds me of the Eskimo uh, wolf trap so yeah uh, basically the there's a a story and I don't know how real this is but I guess it kind of makes sense of Mm -hmm. how when Eskimos were having trouble with wolves in the area they would set set a trap to try and eliminate the the threat of the wolves and so basically what they would do was they would take a knife and they would kind of slaughter one of their sheep or something and they would soak uh the blade of the knife in the blood of the sheep and then they would freeze it so it was kind of like a like a popsicle but mm-hmm. made of blood on a knife uh, and then they would stick the handle of the blade under the snow so only the blood was sticking up and then at night the wolves would smell that for miles around and they would come and they would lick the blade when they licked it, it would cut their tongue, so that yeah. the, their own blood would uh, soak the blade. And the more they they smelled the the fresh blood, the more they wanted it, and they yeah. wanted it. And so they keep licking it, and, you, and their their tongue would become numb due to, to loss of blood and, and the cold. And so they became numb to what was happening to themselves. And eventually, they would lick it so much that they would bleed to death. Right, and I think that sort of really shows the nature of sin, and that. We sometimes become numb to
1: it, uh, so we don't even realize in the ways in which it's actually slowly killing us mm-hmm. spiritually.
0: Yeah, and that's exactly our point here, is uh, when, when we give in to that sin, when we give in to all those things, we begin to lose who we are, and eventually it, it comes to the death of, of ourselves. Not to say that there's not hope in the end, because like I said, Christ is always still there trying to encourage us to come back to to where we were created to be, you know, and, and he never gives up on us. He's, he's always pursuing us, as we talked about last week. But we have to be willing to get rid of that false identity if we're going to reach out to him.
1: It, and it's not even necessarily getting rid of this false identity, so much as it's just to reject the lie that is that false identity. Sure. You know, because that sin, like that, that false identity, that golem, um, is not who we are, uh, and it's a lie that, that that's who we are, we have to become. And so, you know, we have a talking about your shout outs. I have a friend, Deirdre, who's a part of an Echo program Mm -hmm. down here, which is Notre Dame's program. She's getting her master's. She's working. But she's really into this thing called unbound prayer, which is this idea of sort of, you know, they sort of lead you through it. And it's this healing prayer of sort of rejecting the falsehoods and the lies that we tell ourselves again through sin. And one of the things that I love that she sort of adds beyond the unbound prayer is so she basically you get prayed over to renounce any demons in your life, you know, then you reject the lies. And what she adds is you affirm these truths about yourself, Mm. you know, that, that, yeah, you're rejecting these lies, but then what's the truth behind, like, what's the truth that that lie was trying to cover up and like Mm -hmm. affirming that. Um, And I mean, it's really powerful prayer. And I've, I've, you know, I've, actually had her lead my confirmation students in that in the past but you know in a certain sense like that's what we need to do is is reject the lie um, and accept the truth of who we actually are
0: right yeah that's that's a beautiful prayer and for those of you kind of following along here so we have kind of tied in a ton of previous episodes so if you haven't heard them or maybe you forgot some of the things that we referenced i encourage you to go back and kind of check them out if you you're, you're confused or you, you want more on this, just feel free to shoot us an email or on Facebook or Twitter or whatever, and we would love to kind of give you guys some more details on that. But yeah. that kind of leads into my, my challenge here. So this week, uh, my challenge is to figure out what your addiction is. And maybe it's not even like an obvious one, like drugs, sex, alcohol, or technology. Maybe like we talked about in our Harry, Harry Potter episode, your addiction is something Different, like a relationship or, or work or an activity that eats up your time and attention. Whatever your addiction is, recognize it and use this time of, of Lent to get rid of it. Throughout this episode, we talked about how Frodo, the Christ figure, was constantly believing in and trying to help Smeagol rediscover his identity. It's never too late. This is a great time to go to confession and, and get a fresh start on this battle, you know, just like we were talking about. There's still hope. Yeah. And,
1: and one of the things, uh, in our area, at least is we have these, our deanery has Lenten penance services where all the priests sort of come together where you can really have an opportunity to go to confession almost all the time. Yeah. So really take full advantage of that.
0: Yeah. So if you're in the area, check that out. If you're unsure of how to figure that out Mm -hmm. again, shoot us an email or something and we can send you the details on that. Yeah. And if you're not
1: in the area, um, at least here in the United States, I know uh, you have masstimes.org dot and you can go in there and it shows you all your local parishes yeah. and um, confession times. If you are abroad, uh, I, you might just have to talk to your local priest. You might have to call <laughs> down to the parish, and I'm sure that they would probably let you in and yeah. make a time for you to hear. Right. Uh, but most most places have regularly scheduled confessions.
0: Right. So before we go, I actually have a bit of a trivia question this week, and I'm kind of curious. So whoever answers the question first, either on our Facebook, Twitter, email, or SoundCloud, will get a shout-out in an upcoming podcast. So the question is, what is J.R.R. Tolkien's full name? So first person to respond, or even if you respond at all, I might give you a shout-out anyways just because I appreciate it. Runners up. Yeah, cool. Yeah, closing shout-outs. Do you have any? Actually, I do. So uh, our good friend from... Our League City young adult group, uh, Lizzie Wren. So, we, I think it was this past Monday, mm-hmm. we were talking about kind of the loss of identity from, from previous episodes, and, and we were talking about this episode, and she was really excited. So, hopefully, you enjoyed it, Lizzie. I know this is one of my favorite things to talk about. So,
1: yeah, I'm going to give a shout out to um, Chris Donato, he's just an awesome guy, clued me into. In uh, this Thursday, a couple of Thursdays ago at this point, I went to a uh, Texas Right to Life breakfast with him, and he's an awesome guy. just want to give him a shout out. He works for Adore. Um, It's actually his birthday today. Is it really? It is. Today? Yeah. As we're recording this? Like right now. Okay, so we're recording this obviously in the past because we have to edit and all that stuff, but it is his birthday, so happy birthday, (laughs) belated birthday, Chris. You're awesome. And he listens to our podcast on a very regular basis. Yeah. So kind of cool. You recognize him instantly. He kind of looks like a Rastafarian Jesus. Awesome guy. Actually, I was at the breakfast and somebody like said that about really? him. they were like, "Oh, Chris, like Rastafarian <clears throat> Jesus," and I was so excited because I always say that, and everyone just kind of looks at me like, "Oh, Steve, you're sort of offensive," but like when somebody else said, it, I was like, yes, like see, I'm not the only crazy person. Yeah. Um, no, Chris is great. So, guys, please email us. You can tweet at us now. Message us on Facebook. What is it you guys are watching, listening to, reading? if there's anything you guys want us to do a podcast about uh just please reach out to us um we love to hear from you guys and we love to you know obviously this podcast is is for your benefit as much as it is for us uh we we we, we enjoy it we get a lot out of it yeah we get a lot out of this but but ultimately you guys are why we do this and and we want to be able to make sure that you guys are being fed somehow through our podcast otherwise it's sort of just a vanity thing and i don't think either of us want that you know our hope is our hope is that we're actually doing something positive yeah for you guys so So please uh, get in touch with
0: us yeah we appreciate that
1: so thank you guys for joining us for the adventure